You are listening to a new episode of the Game Deflators podcast. My name's John. I'm joined by Ryan. Hey, everybody. This week on the Game Deflators podcast, we like to talk about a console you should pick up, games you should play on it, and all this for under $150 in this week's Starter Kit Showdown. So uh, this is going to be our first of a series of games where we're going to do this. And uh, of course, you don't have to own the console to do this. I mean, obviously I do because we're doing PlayStation 2 this week. Uh, but we'll probably have more on just different consoles down the road on this particular series of budget gaming and collecting for it, as well as, uh, you know, the showdown. See whose list is better, mine or Ryan. So we're going to give you the chance, if you're not already a collector, to see, you know, like, how much you could get in on the ground floor. You never owned a PS5 or a PS2 because you were born in 2010 and you want to see like, what can I get bang for buck, getting off the ground, starting up my collection, where should I start? That's what this podcast is all about. Not necessarily what the podcast is about, Ryan. Well, this but current this podcast. current episode. This episode. And, uh, of course, you can find all previous episodes of the Game Deflators podcast on all of your favorite podcast applications, Podcast Addict, Podbean, uh, Apple Podcasts, iTunes, iHeartRadio, you name it, we're on there. If we're not on there, let us know. And, uh, of course, you can find us on Instagram, Twitter, and Facebook, at The Game Deflators for Instagram and Facebook, and at Game Deflators for Twitter, because they don't like the. And, of course... If uh, you're listening and you like what you hear, leave us a six-star review. But if you can't leave six, leave five. We'll settle. We'll settle for that. All right. So, uh, you know, let's uh, start with a little Q&A here, man. So what was the uh, when was the first time that you actually played a PlayStation 2 or, or had your hands on it? So I really don't remember. I'm not known for having a good memory or finishing games. So uh, in this situation, I don't know i remember having a playstation 2 when i was in like fifth and sixth grade fifth grade for me was 2001 so i definitely got this either late 2000 early 2001 sometime in there i don't know if i got it at launch i don't know if i got it for christmas i don't remember if i got it for my birthday i don't remember opening the box and being excited for it. I really don't. All I really remember is like, you know, going to other people's houses and playing some of the games they had and, you know, starting to get my own games. Cause this was, this was really like the first console that I was old enough to like really, I, I guess be more involved in the purchasing and deciding on games like growing up, being really little there was a super nintendo in my house and i'd pick something you know off the shelf at blockbuster that looked fun to play but like as far as like you know going to target and buying new games and you know having the the ability to like go to a game shop and trade in old games with my parents towards newer titles. Like this was that error for me. This was when I really started making the biggest mistakes in my game collecting career. So, uh, let me tell you a little story on mine. Cause, uh, mine goes all over the place here. So my initial, uh, first contact with a PlayStation two was a neighbor of mine. Uh, his name is Giovanni. And of course, uh, his stepdad, because we used to do a lot of work around the house uh, at that time. So we would 
pick up rocks in the yard. We would cut the lawn. We would help him with uh, construction projects. Yeah, whether it was handing him nails, whatever it may be, uh, piecing together the home, different stuff. I mean, we were young. And uh, he always told us, he's like, look, on each of your birthdays, when the new PlayStation 2 comes out, I'm going to get it for you guys. Like my brother, him, uh, we, we were each allowed to get 10 games for this thing. What? Yeah. So, I mean, the guy apparently had a lot of money. Well, uh, so yeah, because he was using child labor to build homes, right? Yeah. So he, uh, well, I mean, we volunteered. We didn't have to. He, he actually taught us a lot of good ethics. Like uh, one of the ones was if you got your arms crossed, him, Ryan, uh, you're being lazy. Uh, your arms need to always be working on something. It was just one of those things that, you know, if you're crossing your arms, you're showing that you're lazy. You're resting your arms. So uh, that was just one thing that, you know, I, I always remember from this guy. And so. Giovanni's birthday came around and he got a PS2 and he got Dark Cloud, Midnight Club, both of which uh, are fond memories to those games. He also got a Dreamcast on his birthday with a bunch of games, including Blue Stinger and uh, the Sonic game at that time. So I don't remember all the games Giovanni got, but he got a lot of games that birthday. And so my birthday was probably about a month or two later. Uh, so I was super stoked. I'm writing out my list and everything. And we had been playing Giovanni's PS2 for the longest time. And his stepdad got busted and put in federal prison. And I never got my PlayStation 2 from him. Oh, OK. Yeah, so, uh, you know, like quick turn of events. Right. So clearly he was making money somehow. Use your imagination as to what he got busted for. It was not labor laws. Right. No, it wasn't drugs. Uh, it was, um, I think, credit card fraud, if I recall. So, yeah, this guy got... Yeah, I'll buy you all the games you want. Yeah, buy all the games you, you want, want a PlayStation, right? you get a PlayStation. Yeah, it's on Jimmy's... Uh, the the Oprah of fraud. The Oprah of fraud, yeah. So, this guy did a lot. So, they lost the house, everything. The guy was put away for, like, 15 years. He's probably out by now. So, yeah, 15, it's way over 15 years ago. Um... So, yeah, he got busted, put in federal prison, and I probably should reach out to him and be like, where's my goddamn PlayStation oh my 2? Like, you it's been a bunch this. of birthdays. It's been a bunch of birthdays. You now owe me, like, one game of my choice for every year, and, man, am I going to pull out the top 20 most expensive games. There you go. So... I think you already have all the most expensive PS2 games. Uh, the majority of them, yeah. So, uh, <laughs> that's years of collecting, sir. Yeah, so that was that, and then, uh, really, what it came down to is I ended up more child labor loss. Uh, I worked uh, within a fireworks tent with my dad and, um, you know, selling fireworks on the road. And so I would, you know, it's one of those things I wasn't forced to do it. It was, you know, my time to go through and it was more of an allowance. Right. So, uh, yeah, years ago, it was just like, hey, you know, if you work the tent or whatever, then I'll give you X amount. Mm -hmm. And that's what I worked. Yeah. And it was a fair amount of money. Like it wasn't he wasn't paying me below Teaching minimum wage. Teaching you the value of a dollar from a young age. I actually learned a lot of my business type stuff, like counting money, making like certain practices that I have today. Those are skills that I learned from back then, like setting things up appropriately, like proper techniques in, you know, uh, putting out displays, um, overall work ethic, like when to start, when to not start, uh, start times, end times. So it's just a yeah. matter of time until you wind up in federal jail. Yeah, right. <laughs> <laughs> so, uh, yeah, it was just so that was with my dad. I mean, it was just basic, you know, business type stuff. He managed most of it, but I, I did a lot with him, too. And so, yeah, he gave me a fair amount of money for that to, to work under that tent. And so I saved up my money and I bought my PlayStation 2. And so I remember buying the uh, Gran Turismo 3. A red version of the PS2. It wasn't a red PS2, but the red box for the, the PS2. And yeah. yeah, my Gran Turismo, if you look, it's the red version. That mm -hmm. is my original uh, first PS2 game. Very nice. So, um, 
I picked up that. I played a lot of Gran Turismo. Absolutely crushed it. I had Gran Turismo 1 uh, for the PS1. I destroyed that. So that was really the last Gran Turismo game I actively got involved in and enjoyed and, mm-hmm. and beat. So I've got, you know, Gran Turismo 4 and 5, I think, up there. Um, probably just 5. But yeah, it's it's a series I always enjoyed. And, you know, that was my first initial PlayStation 2 game and console. And I worked very hard to get that game. I don't remember what my first PlayStation 2 game was like. I remember I remember going over to a friend's house and playing Grand Theft Auto over there cuz I didn't own Grand Theft Auto. I remember going over there and playing uh Crash 3 cuz I didn't have that one either, but I really remember going over and playing those. Like the earliest games that I remember owning Definitely Final Fantasy X and definitely Zone of the Enders. Uh, anybody who is new to the podcast, I just played all three Zone of the Enders games last year for our uh, new games resolution. And, you know, it wasn't like a game that I was like super obsessed with as a kid, but I loved the aesthetics of it. I really liked, you know, Big Mechs and Gundam at the time. So I thought that that was all super cool. Um I'm trying to think back to like the games that I remember owning and playing a lot and those are like the two biggest that stand out in my mind. Well, Zone of the Enders is one that I played a lot too actually. Um my buddy Joey who I actually still keep in contact with, uh his stepbrother Juan had a PlayStation 2 and funny enough they had like a fifth wheel sitting in their uh in their um driveway. And so his brother, his stepbrother Juan was like, screw this. I'm not going to live in a house anymore. So the guy lived in the trailer nice. outside. And he was like 16. And so he had his like TV and his PS2 and all his collections. So we would go out the Juan's trailer out in the yard and we would play PS2. And he just he showed me Zone of the Enders back then. Uh, some of the Marvel games at that point in time. I think it was Capcom SNK. I want to say is what we had play um, on that console. So we played a lot of PS2 games. And Zone of the Enders is one that I always like remember you know pretty vividly as like this really cool game that i just never really did get into i have yet to beat it actually i think my i think my ps2 came with was atv off-road fury a bundle game probably because i can't imagine that would have been something that i would have gone out and purchased with my own money so i'm thinking that that was a pack-in title i remember playing that a ton too um I did play, uh, was it Jeremy McGrath Supercross? I remember actually paying full dollar for that game, dude. Like, I was super excited to play a Supercross game, and I beat the hell out of that game. It was, I had a lot of fun with that title, as well as the Tony Hawk games Underground. That was another big one for me. Um, That really actually kind of gets us into our next piece, man. What are some, like, super standout titles that you enjoyed playing? Like, what are the ones that you clearly remember and enjoyed the most playing? Like, what got the most out of your PS2? Um, I mean, not specifically my PS2, but just playing PS2 with other people, like Grand Theft Auto. Like, there's nothing, like, sitting around in Grand... I should say Grand Theft Auto 3. Grand Theft Auto 3, sitting around, sniping on top of a building, trying to evade the cops as long as you can, and then switching controllers. That was always a great time. And, of course, the cheat codes on that one, they get five stars automatically. Yeah. Yeah. Um... Uh, the PlayStation 2 was the era where games really opened up for me and I started to, you know, experience, I think everybody really started to experience, like, 
there's a lot more that can be done with these and we're going to start pushing that envelope forward and showing you like god of war is like my favorite game franchise and that came to us on the playstation 2 and was just a a tremendous like tremendous title for me like i remember just like loving that ancient you know uh, the all the gods and uh, all the what's it? mythology all yeah, the mythology, mythology going into it but combined with this like you know becoming a teenager angst that and, you get in all those games that like and were your really... first uh, your first pair of video game boobies as yeah, well. yeah yeah <laughs> so there was there's a lot of stuff like that um man one thing that really stands out to me not necessarily as a positive i remember being so excited like final fantasy 10 like blew my mind like i'm not sure if i'm pretty sure i played nine before 10 and i'm pretty sure i played seven after having played 10 but being so excited for final fantasy 11 and i've never been a pc gamer because i never had a good pc growing up as a kid and when i saw that it was going to come out for playstation 2 I was like, oh my gosh, an online MMO for the PS2? I gotta get that. So I saved up and saved up and traded in games and stuff. And I remember the day that it came out at GameStop and it came in this big box and whoa, what's this hard drive thing you gotta plug into the back of the PS2? Oh, that's so cool, you know? And then it just was not a great game and I really did not get my like $120 worth out of it at all. And, and uh, taken into inflation, you know, when you take that into account, that's expensive. Yeah, it was yeah. it was definitely like one of the biggest investments of my little life to not come through. Man, I vividly remember having like a hundred bucks and being told I could get whatever games I wanted. And I ended up getting Chaos Legion, which I don't recall. I don't think I put it on my list, but Chaos Legion was kind of like a poor man's devil may cry in a sense really good game actually so if you haven't played chaos legion you should definitely give that one a shot and i remember beating that one with my cousin uh the final boss we just like finished up the game i had my ps2 in my grandma's house so whenever school was done i'd play my ps2 there i'd take up all the wires and i would go home rehook it and play my game there so it was like double play time every day and uh yeah so that one i actually beat with my cousin and the other ones were, let's see, Midnight Club was a big one for me that I remember. It was pretty vividly, like, Giovanni and I would play that all the time. The exploratory components of Midnight Club, the first one, being able to jump into buildings with your car and find different vehicles and uh, having to do certain races, like, that was so cool. And uh, Dark Cloud was another, like, really big one for me. Uh, that kind of, and we talked about that one on the Game Tenants as well, like, that was one of those games that it got me into the genre of, like, world building along with that like action RPG style. So that really was like, a, you know, a point in my life where I was like, I like this style of game. I need to move forward and play more. Uh, and then the other big one I remember is going to be Final Fantasy X. I remember the videos coming out. I would get my official PlayStation Magazine demo discs. Okay, so for me, it was, you know, I have the magazine of, I forget the, the name of the guy from Sony, but like holding up the PlayStation 2, like pictures in my magazines and being like, oh, dude, that's like super sweet. I can't wait to see what's on this console. And then, of course, like the reveal photos for Eco and a whole like news article about how majestic it is and the art oh, style. Yeah. Eco, Shadow of the Colossus. Yeah. Those were fantastic. So all my magazines I have are like, oh, special preview for this game. So I remember seeing Final Fantasy X 
and being completely in awe as to like how amazing this looked and how lifelike at that point it looked. And so, yeah, when I when I finally got the demo for Vat to show a video, I showed my uncle and I think we talked about this in our greatest gaming memories episode we did a long time ago. Um, I was just in, in complete awe and just showed him. He's like, wow, this looks so lifelike. Of course, now you look and you're like, well, that looks like crap. Uh, but yeah, those are like just ones that I clearly remember. They really defined my game collecting in the future, like Dark Cloud and Final Fantasy and Chaos Legion really kind of set me up for the type of gamer I am today and the types of games I enjoy. So the PS2 is really kind of that defining moment, I guess, in my life for gaming. I think that uh, something else that was kind of happening around this time was uh, the West. Like, sorry, our exposure to more anime and stuff really started kind of ramping up at this time before it was like maybe you'd catch you know something on saturday morning where you'd see a couple shows uh toonami had been around for a little bit but i mean it was still mostly like sailor moon and dragon ball z and not getting too crazy but for the ps2 i remember like uh the budokai franchise and like i know that there were plenty of Dragon Ball games before on other consoles and stuff, but like being able to like fight as Goku in a game or like we just did recently, we played uh, IGPX on another episode and that was a game made from an anime specifically from that time and starting to really expand out and get this idea that, you know, like these games are coming from somewhere else and starting to get, you know, like like I said, you know, fifth, sixth grade, starting to, you know, like you said, read magazines, starting to kind of get a better feel for like what the industry was. Cause like the PlayStation one and the N64, like those were more like toys to me than like actually like, Oh man, you know, this is important. It, it plays the DVDs in our house. <laughs> yeah, it's true. Yeah, it does play the DVDs. Uh, let's see. When did a PlayStation come out? Was it 2000? I yeah. Think? Okay. So, you know, and that was supported for, you know, obviously like 10, 15 years. It had support for that console. And then the PlayStation 3, I think, came out in 2000. PlayStation released March 2000. Yeah. And then the PS3, I think, came out 2006. So, you know, for us, when that game came out, I mean, you're talking middle school into high school for people of our age. Um, which is really an important time of your life. You know, you start developing, you know, ideas for what you like and, you know, it really starts to develop you as a person. It becomes overall. more personal and less yeah. of a family item. Exactly. So, yeah, I mean, that's really Depending that defining on console. Yeah. I, I was an only child, so it definitely was that way for me. This yeah. was the era where my parents stopped playing games with me. Yeah, actually, it's about right. I think my parents stopped playing games with me on PlayStation 1, though. Uh, but no, I had a little brother, so, you know, we went ahead and played ps2 all the time and then we played it with our friends so it was one of those things that it kind of broke down to like the next level of gaming uh i guess in both of our lives really um so yeah dude anything else on like standout games for you um i mean there's so many and it's just so hard for me to remember all this i mean i'm looking up at your shelf and there's so many titles that came out and did so much at that time uh, Half-Life, um, the Fatal Frame series came out around then. That was terrifying when it first came out. Yeah, uh, big 
sprawling sagas like the dot hack series and the xeno saga series like those were things that you know while they do have a lot of sequeled games on previous consoles like you know arc the lad and stuff have like through lines but like these giant epic multi you know disc multi-game franchises where you're telling these really elaborate long stories in between campaigns um i've actually got to buy the memory card adapter for the playstation 3 uh because i am on like game number two so mutation for dot hack i never did get to beat it because every time i tried to something happened so the first go around my playstation 2 died i had to get a new ps2 uh, second go around, my PS3 died, and it was a backwards compatible one, so I had to take all my data off there, and it's still sitting on a thumb drive, and I've yet to put it on to, because I lost the, uh, the memory card adapter, I had one, and I lost it in college. Oh. So, like, every time I've tried to beat that game, like, something happens to prevent me from beating it, but I want to beat it so bad, and I have all of them, mm-hmm. so, like, I should beat it. And then, of course, I had the GU series that came out uh, on the PS4, like, last year, or a few years ago. And it's just, you know, another game that just it sits there and I've wanted to finish it. And it just something happens every damn time to prevent me from beating it. Mm -hmm. So, uh, but yeah, dude, there's a lot of games on this console. So if you have not jumped into PlayStation 2 and you're looking to get into it, hopefully uh, hearing this episode will give you a a general idea on maybe some starter games to get you going. Um, You know, some games that you will enjoy and really ones that are kind of near and dear to us. Uh, or we find to be a value overall. So, uh, Ryan, I'll let you kick it off. So there's over 3,800 games for the PS2. That's just in the U.S., though. I want to say, like, globally, there's like 9,000. Oh, wow, I don't really? I don't remember the exact number. I just remember it being a ton. Uh, is it 3,800 for just the U.S. or globally? Oh, 4,218 PS games, PS2 games for U.S., EU, and Japan. Okay, so it's only 4,200. I always thought it was like 9,000 for some reason. So there's like 400 and change that we didn't get here if all 3,800 of those other ones came out here. Yeah. That's a massive library. Where are you going to start? You say, uh, you know, I, I don't have a PlayStation 2. There's all these good games. You know, they're at a reasonable price right now. Maybe. Maybe. Some of them. Kind some of. of them are kind of outrageous, but like... Where do I start if I it was just my birthday and I whoa I don't want to get one of these fancy new games. I want to go back in time and live some nostalgia. Where do I start? Well, that's what we're going to tell you right now. So each of us took one hundred and fifty dollar price limit. We chose a PS2 and as many games as we could fill out. And we're going to try to convince you which one of us has the. uh the better idea on where to start your collection john uh and sorry and uh we would love to hear back from you guys and let us know who you think uh you would rather spend your money on because if you go online there's a lot of ways to start your collection and one of those ways is to buy a console from somebody and all of the games that they have with that you could totally go online and for a hundred bucks get a used PS2 and like 10 or 12 games pending the games, but those (laughs) games are going to be kind of whatever. This is more of a curated list that we've put together. So John, uh, why don't you start off telling us about the PlayStation two? So, uh, I decided for my PlayStation two, I would get the fat boy PS2. Uh, while it is a little bit of a pain in the butt, if you wanted to change out like the laser, 
or to disc tray or anything along those lines, um, you know, which can be an issue down the road. I did like the flexibility of having the big hard drive bay in the back. And, you know, at, at the end of the day, say your laser goes out and your tray goes out, whatever it may be, having that hard drive, why not make it an emulator machine down the road? So that was kind of my thought process on the big one uh, versus a slim. While I'm sure you can hack it and there's options to put in a hard drive down the road, uh, you know, in the event that you need to, it is a little better in the sense of it's quieter. It's got an easier, uh, you know, tray to be able to disassemble and switch out the laser. Like the laser's there. Like you mm -hmm. see the laser when Just you open like up the, the PS1. tray. Yeah. So it's a little bit easier, I think, for repair purposes than a Fatboy PS2. Uh, and that's just me kind of speaking out on it, having not done it myself. You know, this is one of the memories we didn't really talk about. I remember getting the disc read error. Oh, yeah. Like crazy for certain games. And I mean, that may be why I wound up stop using my PS2 because certain games just wouldn't play anymore. So do you know if they had that problem much with the Slim or was that more of the original? I don't know if they had the problem with the Slim. I actually personally didn't own a Slim until very recently. Mm -hmm. And I mean, in our experience, we've seen with my Slim, it actually overheats and doesn't play everything. So that, we've been using a Fatboy PS2 for the longest time for that reason. Yeah. So but, what are you paying for this? Uh, so I, PS2. Think, I think at the time when I looked up this list, it was like 60 bucks roughly. Okay. It's about the price point. And I've got, yep. Uh, yeah, it was about sixty sixty dollars based on my list there. Okay, so you think getting a fat PS2 for sixty bucks is a good deal? Yeah, with the customizations that you can have, and then factor in like a dollar or two for memory cards if you went like to somebody local, mm -hmm. you know, or a garage sale. Yeah, I think sixty bucks for Fat Boy PS2 with that flexibility, that'd be good. So I decided to go the other way. I'm all about you know small, cute things, and I love to be uh, you know space saver. And all that. And I think that, you know, if you're just getting into a PS2 and you're going to start collecting, well, you save some of that room for the game. Get yourself the small PS2. I like the way it looks. I uh, And it comes in silver and white. Oh, yeah, yeah. But I'm going to say go with the classic black. Pick it up for $55. I think you could probably do it with two controllers for $55. But, uh, you know that's an accessory and we won't necessarily get into extra controllers and stuff and keep in mind when you hear this episode uh pending when you're listening to it the prices could go up they could go down yeah so, this is all going to be as of now as of july 4th 2020 <laughs> so uh john how do you want to do this do you want to just each run through our list do you want to do a back and forth how do you want to do this uh well i have a lot more games on my list so let me just list out mine i'll kind of give you my reasoning behind it and then uh, you can critique it and then we'll okay. go into yours right after that sounds okay. good so i went with a disc only approach my thought on this was if you're just getting into it and you're not necessarily caring about the case you really just want to play some games Here's a pretty good list to get you started, and I think it's pretty good. I mean, it, it basically, the mindset I had was, let me get a wide variety of games that I'm either going to enjoy or I might not like based on my taste. And this is all stuff I like, because it's stuff I've played for the most part, except for maybe one or two games. And I, I think it's good. So the first one I picked was Mortal Kombat Deception. Uh, I don't, I don't see the price points in there, Ryan, but I'll say that uh, for anybody listening, my entire list here uh, came out to $85. 
So it actually left me a $5 oh, extra. You can't read the prizes? No, the little ones I can't. Oh, on $8 each. on that. Okay. So, well, the overall price, like I said, it's $85 and 85 and some change uh, for the overall list here. No, sorry, 89 and some change. So I had a little bit of time, space left over for a memory card. And uh, Mortal Kombat Deception, the big thing for that with me is I truly enjoyed the story mode on that. I know you were like, oh, it's crappy, but here's the thing. So hear me out. Mortal Kombat Deception, fighting game. Okay, so you got your fighting component in. Uh, number two, it's a Mortal Kombat game, which is always fun. Number three is it has a full-blown story mode where you progress as, uh, you know, a character going through the world of Mortal Kombat and battling different people and completing missions. Not that and great. I, I liked it. It was a lot of fun. And on top of that, puzzle fighter mode that's tied to it. So you had a puzzle game where you had your Mortal Kombat characters on the side and you could do multiplayer puzzle fighting. Okay. So you've basically got three types of games in one. A Mortal Kombat RPG, a fighting game, and a Mortal Kombat puzzle game all bundled into one $8.80 package as a disc only. So, yes, I know you hate the RPG elements, but it was a ton of fun, dude. Uh, the next one is The Bouncer. So The Bouncer is made by Squaresoft at the time, or Square Enix. I believe they were already dubbed at that point in time. And uh, it's really just kind of like a beat-em-up you know pseudo rpg type of situation where you just super short maybe three hours i think and it's it's not the greatest in terms of storyline and, and voice acting but damn it it's fun and it has sora's boots for the entire game on okay. your main character i mean or at least it looks like sora's boots in my opinion and i thought it was pretty cool back when i played it have you ever played that one i have not okay so that's a short game that anybody can play and if you don't like it it's what six bucks or something on there for disc only uh 875 okay i'm i'm definitely blind okay my next one is hurdy-gurdy now this is the one that i haven't played so i played demos but i haven't fully played it so it's like herding sheep i think is the overall premise and just collecting and uh, just an adventure game around this like epic world. Uh, it's what like five bucks. So five bucks. Hurdy Gurdy is one of those that you can sit back, you can play it. If you like it, you like it. If you don't, you don't. And it's only a five dollar bill. I think you probably will though, based on the reviews it received and the open world type aspects at that point in time. Uh, next one I have is Tenshu: Wrath of Heaven. So if you've played the Tenshu series, you truly enjoy the uh, stealth aspects. Slicing throats, cutting heads, um, you know, hack and slashing in certain aspects. And uh, it's from software. So how could you go wrong with from software? Uh, and that one's probably my most expensive game. I think that's sitting at like nine ninety seven or something mm -hmm. for a loose disc complete in box. That one's going for like 20 bucks right now. So, I mean, half the price to play this game. Uh, next one, I think we've talked about this in the past is Red Faction. Uh, Red Faction is a shooter game where you are uh, on Mars and you're doing some mining and pretty much everybody's like it's a prison essentially so everybody's like enslaved to work on Mars and the overall goal is to escape and so it starts off with like a riot essentially and everybody's trying to escape and that's your goal to lots get out of, of like in, in uh, destructible <clears throat> environment and stuff in the Red Faction series on that right one. yeah so you can blow up walls you can make tunnels like all this crazy stuff it's super cool and the multiplayer has bots, which is super important whenever you're just playing on your own uh, because you can set the difficulty, you can set the bots, kill limits, all of that good stuff with the destructible environments. And it's just a lot of fun. It, You know, to me, it was like a poor man's golden eye. It was awesome. I truly enjoyed Red Faction, 
played tons of hours of it with my brother with the bot mode and multiplayer and uh we liked it and the story was good too uh next one was eco so eco is a game that from a pure artistic standpoint is just really good you know it's got some great visuals for its time it was seen as uh you know nothing we had seen before pretty much is how it was touted and I remember reading that in my PlayStation magazine and saying to myself, I need to buy this game. And I got it for Christmas and it has so many puzzles and it's got um, I forget the name of the girl that follows you, but you basically are leading this girl along this castle to escape uh, from this queen that lives there. And the girl's pretty much, I guess I wouldn't say enslaved, but she's trapped there and you're trying to help her get out and you're battling shadow monsters with a stick until you get a sword um, you have to light fires to start, you know, certain doors from opening. Like it's, it's a lot of fun. And honestly, like it's a game that I've beat probably three times in the past because I've enjoyed it that much. And of course it's cheap. They've come out with a version on the PlayStation three. They will likely have another version on PS4 at some point in time. So it's had some remasters and stuff done. And, uh, yeah, I think it's a good game. Uh, dark cloud. I talked about it earlier. So action RPG world builder type game, a lot of fun, great story, good use of your time. Uh, definitely a, a few little puzzle elements here and there, but it's just, it's a lot of fun. I mean, you get to get weapons built and everything um, for your character. You get to find different items. You get to meet different town people. Uh, there's fishing in the game. So it's really cool. Uh, Demon Stone. So we're going in for that like RPG, like D&D style. You get to play as several different characters. And, uh, you know, I think I played as a rogue in this one who had special abilities to sneak around enemies. And it's a short game, but it's a lot of fun. And I remember paying full price for this at a Toys R Us back when it first came out. So I paid 50 bucks. This game is sitting currently at about $5.79 is what I can see from my viewpoint here. Probably complete, maybe like 12 bucks, I would guess. I'd gander in that area. That's a good game. Uh, Project Snowblind is another fantastic title. Super underrated game. So you have like all these crazy abilities, dude, where you can like stop things from happening. You can you have different arsenals of weapons. You're in like these crazy gunfights with everybody in the game. I don't recall her being a multiplayer because um, my copy actually got stolen <laughs> years ago. Uh, but I remember beating this game and enjoying every single moment of it. It was just a fantastic title. And as far as shooters are concerned, it's a great game. Uh, my next one is Extermination, and this is a horror game. So it's a budget horror game. It's like six bucks for a loose copy. And I didn't play this one, but I saw my brother play it. And I saw that he had a lot of fun. He freaked out in several different areas, and it did receive some pretty decent reviews. So as far as horror is concerned, there's the Silent Hills of a the world. There's you know, um, the Fatal Frames, all of these types of horror games, Rule of Rose, but all of those are priced at like astronomical rates. So why why go into a game like that when you can get something like The Thing or Extermination for a lower price point and just have as much scares? Um, you know, control wise, you it may not be as fluid as something like a Silent Hill, but it's still good in its own right. And then we've got my last three here, dude. Uh, Ratchet and Clank amazing series there's a reason it has continued on into the ps5's life cycle uh the ratchet and clank series is phenomenal the first one that i played was up your arsenal no not up your arsenal sorry uh going commando and they've all had like crude titles so mm -hmm. up your arsenal is obviously 
You know? Yeah. Yeah. Uh, but Ratchet and Clank, the standalone was a lot of fun. Uh, the weapon creation uh, or weapon buying, really, in that game, the upgrades, uh, it's all really cool. You level up your weapons. So what you might have is a mini nuke is like a little tiny puff of cloud and it just poof, turns into a mushroom cloud down mm -hmm. the road when it levels up. So a lot of fun. Uh, Okage Shadow King um, is going to be my last one that I haven't played. Uh, but this one, I've always heard great things about it. It's a low-cost, entry-level RPG. I think you said you've played it. I rented it, and I don't think I made any progress in it at all. It was one of those blockbuster games that was just impenetrable. Yeah, so it's, a, from what I've heard, a fairly difficult game at times. It's long, so you're going to spend a lot of good time on this title. Uh, but it's not another Final Fantasy. It's a different RPG that you can get into and check out. And, you know, that in its own right is pretty cool just to expand your horizons. Like you've seen Final Fantasy for years. You've seen all these crazy things. Why not get into a budget RPG that is just overall a, a good, good game? Uh, but yeah, so Okage Shadow King, like I said, I haven't played it, uh, but I've seen lots of visuals and uh, and Ryan's played it and he said it was hard. So I, I said I rented it and it was impenetrable. You did play it, though, to rent it. Right. Yeah, like not for long enough to, to say I played it, I don't think. He doesn't he doesn't. It's like got pretty good lie. ratings though. Yeah. Yeah, like I said, it's a it's a pretty well reviewed game. And the last one uh, that I enjoyed was Lumines Plus. Uh so I enjoyed Lumines on the PS1. I mean PSP, sorry, not PS1. And the PS2 version is good too. And is it Lumines? I always thought it was Luminous. I don't know, man. I call it Lumines. Luminous is probably the right one. I have no idea. It's how you pronounce it, like Titus and Titus. Yeah. Final Fantasy. Who knows? Um, so somebody out there will correct us on uh, Instagram or Facebook or Twitter. And uh, yeah, it's a puzzle game. It's pretty cool. You have different blocks. You line them up to some cool music. And uh, a lot of yeah, fun. it's a great like music visualizer mixed with like some, you know, puzzle game that you've obviously seen something similar. But, you know, it's its own take. Yeah. So it's it's cool. It's definitely cool. It's definitely cheap. And all of what I just listed loose disc is sitting at right now uh $89 and about 90 something cents 70 cents yeah 89.70 looks like and uh, obviously with that fat boy ps2 you're looking at a grand total of 149.70 uh, so not enough to buy a memory card but you know spend an extra buck you'll be all right all righty well, that's John's list. See, top that one. I think we can all agree that it's a garbage list because this is about starting video game collecting. You're going to tell all these people that they should start off their collection with loose discs that they got mailed to them in Ziploc bags and they're going to throw in a, a CD sleeve. I don't think so, John. That's not how we collect things here at the Game Deflators podcast. So while John's got a bunch of B-sides with uh, scratch backs for you, I've got the real list here, folks. With scratch backs. So I went all complete in box because nothing says, hey, I'm starting a collection like having the box the game is supposed to come in. So I've got 10 titles here for you that are all proven, like veteran. You should have had this. You should have played this on the PS2. This is what I got. Starting off, I'm going to throw at you Devil May Cry 3. I don't think it's necessarily too important to have played the first two, but Devil May Cry 3 is a kick-ass, rockin', beat-em-up, high-score combo, killing demons, fighting your brother. You got ice triple nunchucks, for God's sake. Well, hold on, hold on. So we're collecting, and you're jumping people into the 
third entry of a series, Ryan? Yeah, because it'll encourage them to buy the first two. But then they have to spend more money. Yeah, they're going to have to spend more money when they have to sell all these loose discs online to buy the actual, you know, collector's uh-huh. version. Uh-huh. People like quality over quantity, Ryan. Go on. All right. Next up, we got Final Fantasy X. Speaking about quality, I mean, I know that uh, Hokage Shadow King is, uh, you know, not as popular, but still an RPG. Why? Why? Get it out of the way. Bring in the king of Final Fantasy on PS2. You know, I'll just play my Final Fantasy X on my PS4, my PS3, Nintendo Switch, and every other console that's come out for afterwards. All right. Well, you could put that on your list when we do starter collections for those consoles. <laughs> All right. Next up, you know what? If that wasn't enough Square for you and it didn't have enough Disney in it, Kingdom Hearts, man. Kingdom Hearts coming at you on the PS2. It decided, hey, we're going to take everything that you love about this aesthetic and this world we're gonna disneyfy it and then we're gonna spend the next 15 years destroying any sense of story or idea that you knew what was happening this is the best kingdom hearts game because it's the only one that makes sense (laughs) that's actually a very valid point uh next up this is my big pricey title coming in at 18.99 baby uh grand theft auto trilogy This will get you Grand Theft Auto 3, Liberty City Stories, and Vice City. So that's a ton of content. Uh, The Grand Theft Auto, like I talked about earlier, like it was a real pivotal, fun game, like at the time to to be able to go out and do all this crazy stuff. And if you missed that on PS2 and you played some of the newer ones, you could really go back and still enjoy these games. I mean, they're definitely not as refined or as good looking, but, you know, going and doing all of these stories for these gangsters and these people and the comedy that Rockstar has, like, this is a really good deal. You're getting three games for $18.99. That's not bad at all. Next up for racing fans and music fans, Need for Speed Underground. Need for Speed Underground is a sweet title. I remember staying up late nights very many times with my friends on their Xbox playing this game. It's got great nostalgic music from the time. It's got great racing, customizing your cars. It looked real slick at the time. Love it. Uh, Next up, one of my favorites of all time, God of War. You got to start off with, uh, you know, some violence and uh, get that franchise cooking, get that mythology flowing before you can come out and revamp it all, you know, however many late years later for the new God of War. So I, I definitely recommend that. Oh, I guess I haven't been talking about the prices on hardly any of this stuff. So yeah, that's, what's all this running, you, Ryan? So, uh... I'll just go up to the top and go through real quick. So Devil May Cry 3, 638, Final Fantasy 10, $8, Kingdom Hearts, 824, Grand Theft Auto Trilogy, 1899, Need for Speed Underground, 999, God of War, 799. Next up we've got Max Payne. Max Payne is a cool third-person action shooter. It's got the bullet time mechanic, dark gritty story about a cop. You know, on the wrong side of the law, trying to well, trying to be on the right side of the law and bring down these uh, drug peddlers and avenge his dead wife. And oh, there's a lot going on in there. I, I've never actually 
played all the way through it and I've never played the sequels, but I know that it's a deep long running franchise that a lot of people associated to it. Yeah. There's a comic. There was a bad movie with, I remember the movie. Yeah. Somebody, I don't even remember who was in it. I never saw that either, but, uh, Max Payne is definitely a good shooter to get your hands on and a good place to start. Uh, 758. Uh, and this is the second most expensive game on my list. I, I saw that you went with Ratchet and Clank, and I thought about Ratchet and Clank. I thought about Jack and Daxter. You know, there was a lot of good mascot, platformer, action games, but I think I'm going to go with Sly Cooper. Sly Cooper for PS2 at 1395. It's a really fun, you know, different kind of than like Jack and Daxter a lot more you know crash bandicoot like running up twirling killing stuff platforming this has some stealth action going on in it as long as you know some light action combat it's got some different uh different storytelling through like these uh you know each bad guy that you go after is kind of its own vignette its own deal it's presented in kind of like a tv episodic kind of format and i picked up i picked up the trilogy on vita a few years ago and that was my first exposure to sly cooper but man it was a a ton of fun and i really would recommend that so 1395 it's the second most expensive game on my list but i think it's worth it and if that's not enough stealth action for you, baby, oh, I have we're going, going Metal up. Gear Solid 2. Oh, Raiden. Well, Metal Gear Solid was a PS1 game, so what are you going to do? Well, they re-released it on the PS2. Oh. Well, well they didn't re-release it. It was just, uh, they had a, a collector's box. It was like all three. Yeah, and this was a game not everybody was super stoked on. The, uh... The franchise kind of took a weird step here, and not everybody was into it. Look, but talk, that, talk about Last of Us 2 and how everybody was pissed off at false advertising. This game is the epitome of a of a company false advertising. Like, you go in thinking, man, I'm going to play a snake and everything else, only to find out that you're playing as Raiden with his tight pants and sneaking around with his, you know, tranquilizer darts. Well, and if you never played any of these franchise you know and you need a place to start i'm not saying this is the best place to start by any means but it is a way to start your ps2 collection off with a game that's still like you know it might not be everybody's favorite metal gear game but it's still a metal gear game true and then the last one and maybe the weirdest title i have on here coming in at 599 lord of the rings the two towers for the playstation 2 uh i felt that you know there definitely wasn't going to be any uh, tie-in representation on these lists. And uh, those movies were so of that era for me. And I loved playing. Uh, the first game was not good. Do not get the first Lord of the Rings game for like that era because it was totally different thing. But once they got the Two Towers and Return of the King up, they were, you know, choose your hero level up as you go put skill points into different uh combat abilities get new upgraded weapons uh go through kill hordes of orcs and stuff it was a great fun way to like 
play through that story. And a lot of games like don't really have the best tie-ins. And I think that like the combat, you know, following, you know, uh, Gimli and Legolas and them through like Helm's Deep and stuff. It's just such a fun way to experience that world. And I think PlayStation 2 was really a good time for for tie-ins because you started to have the visual fidelity to really pull off more of what you would see in movies in games. So I thought that this kind of reflected that. So coming in a grand total of 95.68. So, you know, you got to be able to get that slim PS2 for that $55. And I'm kind of pushing the budget a little bit, but actually when I made this list, I had the Lord of the Rings not set as complete in box. And I went back and readjusted it, so it, it made it go up a little bit. But, you know, given inflation and deflation and how the market goes, I think that you can get all 10 of these games and a slim PS2 and have a killer time starting your PS2 collection. All right, so folks, you got to let us know who wins this one, because while Ryan has some great titles in there, uh, I've got some pretty pricey high-end titles uh, sitting on this list with, uh, you know, an Eco and a... You know, a dark cloud and no bouncer boxes. and Tenchu. No boxes, but you know what? Do you want to spend $9 on Tenchu to play it? Or do you want to spend $20 on Tenchu to play it? Depends on what you're uh, what you're collecting for, right? Am I collecting just to play or am I collecting the have boxes? There you go. Clearly, I'm collecting the have boxes. But I had to take a different approach on this. I had to look at it from the eyes of who doesn't want to spend a ton of money on a bunch of games. Yeah, it's actually funny. You took the role reverse on that. I know. Yeah. I know. Yeah. Uh, so let us know in the comments what you think about this episode. Uh, leave us a review, of course. And uh, you can find us on all your favorite podcast applications again. So Apple Podcast, iTunes, Spotify, Google Podcast, all of that good stuff. And, uh, of course, social media. So Instagram, Twitter, and Facebook. Uh, at Game Deflators on Twitter. At The Game Deflators on Instagram and Facebook. So, any closing remarks on your end? Yeah, uh, the PlayStation 2 was a fantastic era. It really brought me into, you know, becoming a gamer and, and becoming somebody who wanted to have games as a part of my life moving forward. And if you missed out on that era, there's so many games to go back. Like, this isn't all. This is just a starting place. Like I said, you can always go online and find somebody who's just dumping all their old stuff and just pick up whatever they might happen to have there could be some good stuff in there you don't even know and uh one other thing to consider uh when you're looking at ps2 collections really any disc-based uh, system is of course check the discs make sure they're not scratch uh, heavily and the other thing is uh check for top scratches if you can see through that game don't buy it uh one of the things that you could do to test that is obviously hold that game up to the light and uh if you see right through the disc onto the other side it is not worth your time to pick that up so uh, you know, there are some minor scratches or minor marks where you can get away with it, especially if you find a high-end game for super cheap, like my, my Blood Will Tell has a couple little top scratches that hopefully don't affect the gameplay. Um, but yeah, I mean, it's it's one of those things to keep in mind uh, while you're out hunting games and trying to get things on a budget. Yeah. So, all right. Well, uh, this has been a new episode of the Game Deflators podcast. My name's John. I'm Ryan. And thanks for listening.